Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon and we're going straight to uh, the Ukraine-Poland border because when I tell you that a good friend of ours on Late Lunch, I met him first when he uh, he told me all about his barbecuing skills. He's originally from South Africa and he's come to live in North Loud. He's been there since 2008. He's actually a professional whiskey maker by trade and he contacted me last week and said, listen... I'm going to assist in the war effort. I'm going to help people who are in distress coming from the Ukraine. And I can tell you this afternoon, he's live from Medica in Poland on the border with Ukraine. Quinzel de Places, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for taking our call today. Quinzel, I have to ask you on behalf of our listeners, what are you doing over there? Why did you go and when did you go? I went around the 24th of uh, March, Jerry. I'm here for about 10 days, 10, 11 days. That was my time frame that I've dedicated to come over here. And uh, was just saddened to see what's going on on the TV, you know, on the news. We see it every night on the RTE channels and the various channels. And uh, so I said to myself and my my wife, we said we have to do something. So, yeah, I'm I'm here now and uh, helping and volunteering, you know. Good on you. And, uh, you know, you you have work to think about. You have your family, you have your children. You said, I'm going over here. It's it, it's a journey you undertook on, on your own. You know, you went there solo. And w- what has happened since? Have you hooked up with anybody over there? Yeah, I contacted a few charities, but because it was so urgent and so quick, it was very hard to um, to basically get involved with any of the charities uh, in an ad hoc sort of basis. And uh, I decided, no, I'm just getting a plane. So <laughs> I got uh, a local Ryanair flight and uh, I emailed a few places and one or two of them came back to me. And uh, I'm still with the same crowd that I've been here since day one. And we've uh, established actually a first aid kind of a triage uh, center on the other side of the border yesterday also. Um, with a cardiologist and a normal general surgeon um, doctor that's basically taking turns with uh, a few other medical people and we're just providing them with uh, humanitarian care before they cross the border into Poland. Uh, but the main function is uh, supply from this side um, to help people in various ways and also send medicines and supplies uh, various directions, you know. 
you're with Humanity First. They are a UN organisation and that's who you're working with. Um, you mentioned there you were into Ukraine setting up that field hospital. Uh, who's in control of the border there, that aspect of the border? Ukraine, it's a Ukrainian border post, is it? Yes. It is, it is correct. Yeah. You cross um, the Polish border post and again, the Polish have been wonderful. I mean, what they're doing here is unbelievable. They've uh, brought in multiple scores of policemen around here. The policemen are even helping carrying kids' bags and all that. The fire, firemen have been drafted in. Uh, firemen are up and down all day long. They walk in multiple miles. Um, it, it's a long crossing, actually. And uh, I'm averaging about 25, some days, 28 kilometers a day of walking around the place. Also, it's unbelievable. And, um, yeah, from medical uh, care for people from to providing them with hot meals, um, welcome, well, not welcome packs, but packs that can provide them just for a day or two with toothpaste, uh, toothbrushes, uh, the best, best, uh, all the best brands that we know. I'm not trying to punt all the brands now, mm. but uh, people have been very, really generous. You know, it's not, it's not cheap rubbish that people have sent over also. And then a lot of companies have come together. So <clears throat> although there's lots of different charities here, there's like a centralized distribution on a daily basis. And there'd be guys coming past in trolleys and they would drop off bottles of water, bottles of rice, bottles of this, packets of rice, um, you know, whatever you need. And there's no short supply of that either to um, basically provide these people with care as they come through the border. You know, there's, there's some sad cases also, you know, uh, young kids, the other night it was uh, minus uh, 12 or something like that. And uh, people are still coming through, you know, uh, during the m- midnight hours. Um, it's, 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 it's very sad to see, you know, small kids and all that. Mm. All frail people on wheelchairs and all that sort of, uh, you know, some some of the people might have been involved in the Second World War. They saw, they saw uh, of that generation, you know. Yes. So you're, you're seeing a constant stream of refugees leaving Ukraine and being taken in by Poland. And you're really at the initial processing point there, dealing on both sides of the border. Incidentally, you just said there, women, children, older folk. Is there an absence of young men? Are, are younger men staying behind to, to defend Ukraine? Um, Do you see that? Yes, I do, but because I've been on the other far side also in Ukraine, I've seen that they've been stopped, so there's a few young fellas that obviously don't want to be involved, and they're trying to get through, um, but they're being turned around. Mm. Uh, probably if they don't want to fight, they're probably going to use them for logistical purposes. I'm not sure what the, what yes. the, um, what's going to happen, but um, yeah, it's 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 uh, what, what we've also seen, uh, this is very, very sad to see, there's some mothers that have come across and they've handed the kids over to relatives that are maybe this side, and they've returned to go and mind the um, frail relatives or frail parents or provide for their husbands and so on to maybe cook food for them and all that sort of uh, stuff, you know. So it's, it's a real effort, you know. It's a real war effort with all of them, you know. They're not, uh, they're not giving up. We've also seen a lot of people come across... Uh, feeding themselves, replenishing, and then going back. They're actually turning around again, the woman, um, with some kids. Um, and then the other night, uh, this was very sad to see. A family um, had been housed somewhere, and apparently they weren't treated that well. So the mother and the two kids, the kids were 12. About, I said the boy was about 12 to 14, maybe, and um, the, the girl maybe 11 or 12 or something like that. And 
with the mother and the grandmother, they decided to return back into Ukraine because they, they just didn't feel happy where they were in the situation, you know. Mm, so it's uh, different emotions and different feelings and different uh, decisions to be made uh, there, and you're seeing all in sundry. And um, what about yourself? Where do you st- where do you stay yourself at night time? Um, <laughs> I stay in a shared hostel because I was uh, there was nothing left here, you know. So um, it, some people are sleeping up here in tents um, on site and. Uh, other people are staying in, in hotels or whatever they could find, you know. With, mm. I'm in like a shared hostel, a men's shared hostel, and there's a few shared rooms, female uh, shared rooms also, that are that are exclusively female, so they're sort of separate rooms, you know? Yes. Um, so you don't know from the next day to the next day who's in your room or who's uh, bonking next to you, you know? So it's, mm. uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's just, uh, as you say, it's a moving feast day to day and people changing and coming and going as well. Um, yeah. you, you've you've seen uh, aid from Ireland. I have, and uh, multiple amounts of aid. But uh, we have some uh, crisps, not to name a brand, but from County Meath. I've seen a few boxes today come in, and uh, oh, you can name them, name them, give them the publicity. Yeah, Who King's, are- King's crisps and Tato and all that? So um, that was a bit of nostalgia to see that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good to give them a mention, but the Irish aid is getting there to the front line as well. It's, it's phenomenal what you see, uh, Jerry. You see, um, so what we do is we we also have a lot of bags that we hand people out. So it'll be a basic bag of like a food juice in an energy bar, a chocolate bar, or kind of a muesli bar thing. Then juices for the kids, um, toothpaste. No, not a small little toothpaste, a big, big toothpaste, and it's the top, top brands. Also, again, um, mm. I mean, you get RLB, you get all the various uh, stuff, you know. Um, and uh, then, uh, ladies, um, sort of um, stuff, and uh, you get the hand soap, um, mm. shampoo. Yeah, the basics uh, that people need in food and for yeah. hygiene as well. And tell me this, when they come across and you deal with them, where are they headed for? Are they being dispersed out across Poland or what's happening then? They are. They are. A lot of the Polish people are actually taking them into their um, houses uh, um, on, on their own will, whereas some other countries are, and obviously the government's paying for it also, and uh, they... Um, they um, they transport into the various places. So there's a there's a centralized depot here in the corridor from the from the border post here where the military and the police are controlling that because there's been a bit of uh, human trafficking going on around here also. Um, various scrupulous people have tried uh, to get involved in taking people from here. So you can't get onto a bus or anything unless uh, it's verified. So they have specialized buses that come in they park, the soldiers stand there, they help the people on the cases on, and uh, the drivers obviously verify it, they know who he is, and then they distribute to them from there to various places. Mm. And and you as you mentioned the field hospital across the border, you were in Ukraine in recent days, you're helping with the food distribution there, it's all hands on deck, you could be given any job, is it like that really? Oh, you can. Also, uh, apart from that is... Uh, so all of a sudden, this city or town basically just arose from nowhere, yeah, and there's caravans and tents and everything. So there's central points here for water. So you have to take trolleys and put four or five liter cans in and walk them all the way down, fill them up, bring them up. And that's what you use for cooking and washing and, you know, washing your pots and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you can be tasked with that. You can be cooking. You can be serving meals. Um, it's vast. And, and there's some really nice stuff being made here. There's... Um, 
there's a crowd here that makes uh, pizzas and they just walk on these on these wooden platters and they hand them out. I mean, you'd see that in a, in a nice restaurant, basically, you know. It, it's mm. the best of the best that's being served here. People aren't serving rubbish. They're not giving out rubbish, you know. Yeah. it's uh, p- People have made a real big effort. Um, last night, we had three big uh, transit vans arrive here from Brussels. They drove all the way yeah. through, the, through the night and the day from Brussels. And we unloaded that, that with gift packs and food and fruit juices and all that sort of uh, malarkey, you know. Yeah, no, good to hear that it is flowing in and continues to. What about your personal safety and your wife and children back home? They are obviously concerned for you. You're in a, a dangerous place there at the moment. Uh, are you in regular contact back home? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I don't get to talk as long as what I'm talking to you now, Jerry. But uh, the quick little calls, you know, uh, because we're very busy. You know, it's, we're pushing probably sixteen, eighteen-hour shifts here every day, and um, there's, there's people that are constantly just working nonstop. So yeah, I know it's uh, once a year. It's, it's fairly safe. You obviously just have to be careful where you go um, after the night or when you finish. You know, and uh, it's fairly safe on the body. I, I don't see. Um, I don't see the biggest, biggest danger at the moment. At all. Mm. But we did hear the other night, you could hear some uh, shelling further away, but, but very faint, you know? Yes, but it it is within audible distance, we have to say. So you're 70 in... kilometres to 80 kilometres from the closest, yeah. biggest action that we've seen in the press there, you know? Yeah, so you've gone really on a whim. You said, uh, you've been touched by this. I have to go, I have to help, I have to give of my time and anything I can to help people who are in desperate need. H- how long are you staying for? Or what, what, what are your plans? It's, it's 10 days altogether. So um, it's, uh, I, I need to get back to work, obviously. <laughs> so um, it's, it's 10 days that I've dedicated to this, you know. So we just took a decision as a family. That's, that's what we're going to do, you know. Well, look, it's a, a tremendous effort, honestly, to give of yourself and your time and go there at your own expense and get dug in for those long days to help people. No greater sacrifice can anybody make uh, than than you have, Quinzel. And I know you're a real grafter and you're somebody who's brought a lot uh, to the equation there uh, on the front line in Poland on the Ukraine border. Look, I know you're under time pressure there as well uh, on our call. There's a Scottish volunteer playing a bagpipe in the background. <laughs> uh-huh, and, and I was looking at the picture of the piano player as well. So in, in desperate circumstances, there's still is life going on and there still is uh, something to lift the spirits and it, it's good to see that as well look at I wish you well for the duration you are there and thank you for taking our call today thanks Jerry thanks everybody thank you take care of yourself bye bye that's Quinzel du Places there well known around North Loud he's been living there since um uh, 2008 he's known as well in the professional whiskey making game that's his job and he's gone there for 10 days to help out isn't it marvellous isn't it just marvellous to think that somebody would do that and, and, and give of everything they have for people who are in desperate need well done to him and all of the volunteers who've gone there from Ireland and all over the world to help in a desperate desperate situation you were late lunch on LMFM radio I treasure my caricature that was done for me here in this very studio by Niall O'Loughlin sitting across from me one day he made headlines during the pandemic with his uh, caricature of Tony Holhen and he's back on a more serious note raising funds for Ukraine Niall good afternoon Afternoon, great to talk to you again. And you too. Well, this is certainly on a more serious tone, and rightly so. Tell them what you've done. Um, I did a painting of 
I suppose as you said caricature it's probably more of a portrait it's yes. not really yes. a caricature yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was appropriate I didn't want to do anything kind of it's a caricature of um, Zelensky the, obviously the Ukrainian president um, and he's kind of got a tear in his eye that's kind of like the mm. Ukrainian flag and stuff so do you know what it was just done to raise you know everybody's trying to do their bit to kind of raise money for uh, for the Ukraine obviously and this was this is what I do. So, you know, I said, here, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do a painting and I'll put it out there with, with um, you know, the idea of, of kind of like a bid, bidding system so that you could bid for it and own a piece of art and then all the money obviously would go to the Ukraine. So mm. that's, that's the kind of the premise of it. That's fantastic, Niall. Uh, Niall, you're, you are such a talent. I say it again. You capture ah, the man. No, you capture the man brilliantly and the tear is just something else. And you're right. You are known for your humorous, car- humorous caricatures. But this is on a more serious note and it is a beautiful, beautiful portrait. Now, your good friend Franco D at the Balaban Art Gallery is involved with you here. Yeah, well, I figured I need. Um, I have I have had stuff in with Frank over the years, mm. and I kind of figured I needed a. Well, Frank is in the city centre there in the Westby Mile, and yes. I wanted somewhere in town that you know people could see it, because um, you know they have a lot of passing trade there. So, so I wanted people to be able to go in and see it. So um, that's what happened, and I think. I haven't spoke to Frank because I've been so busy, but I think all the stuff in the papers and everything, I think it's a result of somebody actually seeing it or somebody from the papers or something. Mm. Um, and we actually, he texted me last night, breaking news. We got a, I can't, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say, so I better not, but we got a, I know there was a reserve price of, I think, 1200 on it, but we got a much, much higher bid. I'm not going to say how much, but we got a really good, like I couldn't believe it last night. Okay, and do you want to keep that secret for a reason will, to let people? Okay, right. Yeah. So you're way beyond the twelve hundred euro reserve. Way beyond. So I'm thrilled about that. So you're the first person. Actually, I'm telling that to. Good man yourself, now. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. But look, I, I, I'd say look, it's going to garner an enormous sum because um, the money is going as well directly to the Irish Red Cross Ukraine Crisis Appeal. Yeah. And they are people who are on the ground there. The money is going directly in there to help people. There's, there's talk of you doing prints of it as well, that us ordinary mortals might be able to support you. Yeah, uh, I'm doing kind of limited edition prints. I think they're about 50 euros each. And I Great. Think 1, 000, you can email me through my website. Um, but the thing about the painting is, like all like whatever it sells for... Every single penny is going to Shari. Like, the gallery's not taking anything. I'm not taking yes. a penny. Yes. So, literally, whatever it sells for, like, every single penny is going to go. Uh, so, that's important to kind of Oh, share. very important to say. Now, two things. How do people bid? What's the, the mechanism for bidding? Uh, I think they can either email me, but I've kind of been pushing stuff towards the gallery. So, yep. it's the the Bollabon Gallery, I think there's an email on their website. Okay, uh, right. If they're not sure about it, they can just email me and I'll forward it them. Lovely. And what, and, uh, what about the prints? The prints to email you, is it? Yeah, they can email Give me. us your email address, will you? So, it's the word, it's a tough one, the word caricature. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I even struggle with it and it's my job. C-A-R-I-C-A-T-U-R-E. <laughs> uh, yes. C-A-R-I-C-A-T-U-R-E. 
and the rest is easy put Ireland after it at gmail.com caricatureireland at gmail.com yeah. once if you get the caricature word right the rest <laughs> he can't say it but by god can he do it I love that I really do caricatureireland at gmail.com for a print and as well Niall will point you in the direction of a bid if you'd like to bid now there is a substantial bid in as you heard on late lunch today way beyond the 1200 but look if you're interested in sending uh, a large amount of support to the Ukraine through the Red Cross this is a wonderful way to do it I, you know you're on the money again may I say well done to you uh, thanks a million and uh, you know I actually love talking to you I really do <laughs> I love talking to you too to be honest with you and I love I'll me to come in sometime and update yeah. that picture will you? you yeah yeah we'll do that and you know sure at the Absolutely. minute we're back in the bloody Covid uh, uh, restrictions again you'll be doing another one of the new CMO whenever he or she is appointed you'll have to I suppose oh, uh, don't be saying that to be no CMO oh my god no bother to you anyway you're one of the best guys one of the best I have to say Niall thank you for joining me today and well done again thanks for having me Take not at all. Take care of yourself. You, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye-bye. That's Nyla Lachlan there from Dunboyne in County Mead. It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant painting of Zelensky. It really is. Caricature Ireland at gmail.com. My next guest is a young man from County Mead. His name is Connor McCauley and he joins me on the show. Hello, Connor. Hi, uh, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me uh, this afternoon on Late Lunch. Uh, just tell us, you are restricted in terms of movement and travel. Tell us why, Connor. Yeah, um, so I am um, restricted in movement and travel. Um, I've had a really hard time recently with the local bus service. So um, I live up in Mornington. So there's a local bus route and um, a bus airman called the um, D1 and D2. And... Um, not all their buses are accessible. Um, I'm a wheelchair user myself. I have a um, rare condition called Duchenne muscular dystrophy, so it really does affect my life. Um, but I had an experience a couple of weeks ago with the bus, and um, I was just out for my um, mom's birthday, and um, we were all excited. We were um, got the bus up to Drada, and then when we were going home, an uh, unaccessible coach shows up, and... Um, that's like a really big problem for me because I'm a wheelchair user, so it was, it was really hard. So, in, this is incredible. So you get the bus, the bus errand bus, from your stop, taking you into Drada to celebrate your mams. Can I say it was her 50th birthday? Will she mind? Yeah, yeah, you can't say <laughs> She won't kill me. What's her name? Tanya. Tanya, happy birthday to you, belatedly. Anyway, great day, lovely celebration for the family. All's well, you go and enjoy yourselves. But the problem is when you go to come home, again, you have a return ticket, a bus comes, a different bus, and you can't get on the bus in your chair. Yeah, exactly. Um, pretty much my um, mum, um, she got on actually the bus and just asked if we could get an accessible bus, but he, he says to us, I'll walk around to the depot. Um, it's obviously not his fault. It's um, He's just a bus driver, but still, you know, it's sort of that type of thing of, mm. I should be able to get a... a you know, a bus outside of Scotch Hall and um, yeah. not feel like I'm um, not able to, to get one there. Um, so, yeah, it, it is really shocking. And I think the service is reliable, but it's so unreliable for a person like me in my situation because you don't know if an accessible bus bus is going to show up or a coach is going to show up. That's not 
That's non. It's not acceptable. It's just not acceptable, may I say, that you are there not knowing, am I going to be able to board the bus or not? What do I do if I can't? What did you do? What happened? How did you get home? So, um, pretty much my dad actually got on the bus and then um, he got dropped home. Lucky enough, he, he didn't have a drink, so... Um, he drove back up to us and had to pick me up in my um, like accessible van that we have. So that's pretty much how we got home. So your father had to go back home, pick up the car, come back in, get you and then go home. And was it lucky you had in a jar? Yeah, exactly. I don't know what we would have done if, if that didn't happen. Um, because I've been let down. I've called taxis and stuff like that as well. I've been let down by them. So really for anybody, well, somebody in my situation... Um, it's really hard to, you know, rely on transport around here. Mm. And it just put a damper on the whole blimmin' thing. I can imagine, you know what I mean, a great evening had by all and then this happens just to put the kibosh on it. We have been in touch with Bus Air and to see what they have to say about this. They just wanted us to clarify, is it the D1 or D2 service? You mentioned both there. Yeah, I think we were getting home a D1 bus. D1. Okay, that's right. We'll clarify that back to them, that it was a D1 bus. That's all they wanted to know before they responded to us. And we'll we'll happily read that response and pass it on to, to you when you get it. In general terms, as a young man, you're 20 years of age, how is mobility in a general sense? Say, you mentioned buses and taxis there and transport, but getting about the place, on our streets, in and out of shops, things like that, what's the scene there like? I think it's, it's okay up and around Drada. Um, some places are very good, some aren't. Um, I think the shopping centres are, are good because they're new built. But um, a lot of the older buildings, it is really hard to access some of them. Um, I understand like uh, some old buildings have to be kept for reasons, but um, it would be great if there was an entrance in the back or something, you know, with a ramp that I could get in. Um, it is really hard as well, like trying to, to go out and stuff like that in Drada just because of that. But... Um, as I say, shopping centres are very good, but everywhere else you're sort of, you know, it can be a hit and miss. It can be really hard or it can be really good, you know, to, to get a certain place. So for a young fella that wants to go socialising, bars, restaurants and that, you have to pick and choose, do you, where you go? You're, you're, you're restricted. Yeah, I'm definitely restricted, definitely. Um, there's a couple of spots definitely around Dorado that I'd, I'd sort of like to go to, but, you know, they have steps and... Um, that's just what I sort of have to do, and I sort of have to accept that. And um, even going out, um, some of the some of the nightclubs, um, one of them is mostly level on the ground, but there there is one where um, there is a couple of steps. So that can be very frustrating. And really, I do have to plan everything before I do it. So I, I know everybody, um, uh, other people could maybe you know think about it, and that would be really it. Just oh, we're going to go here, but for me, it's like a whole process of oh, I have to you know, see if it's accessible. I have to ring up. If they don't answer, then I have to go into them, you know. How was school and education-wise for you? I think it was very tough. Um, I think for me, personally, with my condition, it's a progressive condition, so it changes a lot. So um, I think it was very hard for people to get their heads around that. Um, So for me, I found it tough, and I think other people found it tough trying to sort of understand me and sort of understand that my needs were sort of changing a lot. Um, but for me, I I did enjoy primary school. I, I loved primary school. Um, that was a really good time. But when I went into secondary school, um, it was really tough and it was really hard adjusting to that new setting, especially at that age um, where my body is sort of 
changing and, yes. and, you know, very confused about everything going on. Yeah, yeah, of course. The even greater challenge for for, for you. Um, w- w- what are you doing? Do you mind me asking? You're 20. What's your plans for, for life and work and what are you up to? Yeah, so I, I do a lot. Um, funny enough, during COVID, I, I did start doing um, social media. So I was just trying to inspire other people, maybe with my conditions, my condition or other conditions, and um, to sort of be inspired by maybe my story and um, how far I've come from um, not being in a very good place, to be honest. Um, so I do that, and next year I'm hoping to go do a PSC in media and broadcasting. So that's really my plan. This year I, I've been working, um, so I've been really happy with that. But um, yeah, that, that's really just my plan. Good on you, and best of luck to you with all of that. But we have to say, we've got to be able to move you from A to B, and you've got to be able to get from A to B, and not not experience impediments like you did on that uh, bus journey back home recently. Look, we've uh, our Louise has been on to bus air, and when we get a reply, we will uh, make it public here, and we'll be on to you as well to let you know what the story is. But we don't want to hear stories like these. These should be consigned to history, and not a problem of the present day, may I say. I wish you well, Connor, and thank you for joining me to highlight your story. Thanks so much for having me on. Cheers. Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. Great Bye. young Felizney. Bye. Conor McCauley there from Mornington in County Mead. If you've experienced anything like that yourself, if, if you find it difficult getting around what we're talking about, access, transport, you name it, let us know if you have a story of your similar experience or if you have anything to say about Connor's particular situation. 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp or text number. 086-1800-658. You can get in touch with us now on that number. Still to come on Late Lunch. Well, coming up shortly on the show, yet we bring you your Two on Tuesday and today, well, I reckon this is one of the finest number twos of all time and I ain't happy with the one that kept it off, number one. But what will Miss Louise Walsh think? We're going to find out after this break. It's time for your two on Tuesday and I'm going back to 1967 today and in my book and many others, one of the finest songs ever written. And I'd say desperately unlucky not to make number one in the UK. It never made top spot. It was composed by the group's frontman Ray Davies and it was based on a couple crossing a bridge over the River Thames in London close to Waterloo Station at sunset. You have it now, haven't you? Give it a spin there, Louise. Uh, Regarded as the high point of the swinging 60s uh, by a lot of people as well and... You know, when you listen to it, you'll understand the genius that is this song by Mr. Ray Davis. Number two on Tuesday, this Tuesday afternoon, the last in March. Dirty old river, must you keep rolling, flowing into the night. People so busy, make me feel dizzy, taxi light shines so bright. Yes, ranked by Rolling Stone magazine at number 14 in their 500 greatest songs of all time, Louise. Wow. That is some Mm. ranking and it never made number one. Isn't that unbelievable for such a wonderful, wonderful song? Good song. What kept it off number one? Do you want to spin it? Yeah. 
Do I have to? <laughs> I, I was going to say that myself. Actually, you took the words out of my mouth, but we do this on Tuesday. We do let you hear what kept it off number one. This one was originally recorded by the Four Seasons and released as a B-side of their big number one hit, Ragdoll. But it was covered by the Tremolos in 1967, where it stayed at number one for three weeks. Shove it, shove it, Louise. Quick, shove it, shove it, shove it. Get rid of it. Oh, my God, I'm depressed. That Imagine that kept number one. That kept the, the other song off number one. It's unbelievable mm. that it kept Waterloo Sunset for number one, isn't it? Silence is golden. It should have stayed There's, that way. It should have stayed <laughs> silent. You wouldn't get silence is golden when the two of us are in action, for sure. <laughs> anyway, have you another but, take on this? Go on. I But Go on. I Go have on. to say the one brilliant thing about that song is do you know whose father was in that band, the Tremolos? No, you have me now. Who? Who? Let's do it. <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't resist it. Oh, let it play. Come on, let it play. I want to hear it again. Come on. That's better than the Tremolos. Let's have it. It's been a life. Yeah. Mr. Chesney Hawks, for the second week in a row, at two on Tuesday, he's muscled his way in. You just had to play it again, hadn't you? Yeah, I couldn't resist. You had to get it in there. But <laughs> you, you had to play the tremolos, you so had, there was a link. You had a link, you had a link. And was I telling you that last Tuesday, that was our number one, uh, that was number one, uh, uh, keeping the two off the top spot. And when I went home that evening, I was having my tea. And for some reason, I wouldn't normally, I'd be watching the main RTE news, as you do at an age. Anyway, I flicked to Virgin One, right? The six o'clock show. And top of the bill was who? Chesney Hawks. No way. On last he Tuesday. On? He must be reprising his one big hit <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, he was on we'll the... We'll have to try and get him on this show, We'll have Jerry. to try and get him. We'll have to try and get him. I think he was re-releasing some music he did subsequently, etc., on the new album. But I couldn't believe it. Talking about Deja Vu. We <laughs> were on about him in the afternoon and there he was on the six o'clock show on Virgin One, Mr. Chesney Hawks. Un- uh, unbelievable. Anyway, that's your two on Tuesday. Waterloo Sunset, it sadly never made it to number one. It is a Beatles sound about it, hasn't it? Waterloo Sunset. Mm. You know, when you listen to it you you could mistake it for some of the Beatles songs as well but a brilliant brilliant song it's not song really indeed. like the sunny afternoons is it no we, we, yeah it could be it's as well yeah, yeah no no you're, you're right there you know as well you, you, there's many comparisons you could make around that time but there you go um, what was it to say to you what, the, the reverberations are still happening from the slap from, from Will Smith <laughs> from the slap yeah. Slapping the jaw, you know, it really is. What do you think about, you know, co- I suppose the question is now from a comedian's point of view, the policing of comedy. Does it prevent comedians poking fun at people and subjects? I suppose it has to be a, law, a line kind of drawn somewhere, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. 
But you know, some cross it, some just they you know, do dance and, with it. Yeah, and God, I'd hate to think that it would be that everything would be policed. You mm. know what I mean? Every word, every jibe, every put down. That's what makes comedy. Do you know what I mean? And not off. I mean, not offensive. You know what I mean? Overtly offensive is absolutely wrong. Mm. But the innuendo. Do you know what I mean? The pointing at things, the skill in comedy. I would hate to see that being lost, and that. Political correctness, give me a bloody break, would just, you know, take over that entire thing in completely. We'll be shocking. There is it? a line, though, like, he was wrong. You know, he knew about, and he, you Did know, he know about... She has spoken openly. Her alopecia. Did he, did, I wonder, did he actually know? I think they have history. Do they? Mm. Oh, the two boys, is it? Well, I, I think he poked fun at her before did because he? she said she was um, purposely going to boycott the Oscars. Oh. And he kind of said something or something to that effect. But I, I right. think they've had, they've come to blows before. Okay. I thought uh, Chris Rock handled it well. That he didn't... That he didn't. He just carried on, That yeah. he didn't smack Will... It could have been gone into a full seconds away round one heavyweight boxing championship of the world at the Oscars, you know. <laughs> but it'll be remembered, won't it? It's like the time they got... Didn't they announce the wrong... Winner of yeah, the best movie or whatever. There was a La La balls up made there as well. But this this just took away from everything. Actually, no one gives a damn or cares about what won what at the Oscars. Did you notice that? It, it doesn't matter anymore. It, it's all about the slap. And, and is Will going to keep the Oscar? Sure, he has to keep the Oscar. He won it. He was voted on. But you know this? He has a brilliant new film coming out later this year that they reckon there's no doubt there's an Oscar nomination in for him. Will he get it? Will he be disbarred? They may not allow him. You know what I mean? They might mm. discipline him. Uh, and, and that. Not, yeah, uh, uh, for what happened, to be honest with you. And not allow him next year, which would be a big loss to him because they say this new movie is terrific that's on the way. Uh, people have had previews of it and say it's a wonderful movie. But really, it just shows you, doesn't it? <laughs> Who won what? Best what? Worst what? You name <laughs> it. the Oscars Best Oscar moment ever, I say it is. The new award goes to Mr. Will Smith and I don't condone. I'm not condoning violence in any way, but by God, he stood up, didn't he, and made his point clear. He certainly did. Anyway, it rolls on the story of Mr. Will Smith and late lunch will roll on after half two as well because we are joined uh, by Maria Acuna Gonzalez from Development Perspectives, our local NGO, and she'll be joined by Hisham, uh, a Syrian who's come to live here and uh, be part of the Irish community, and we're going to hear their story next. Thank you for saying thank you. Evelyn Foley's been on to us from Dundalk. She won our TV theme competition last Friday and is delighted with our gift. Thank you, Evelyn, and uh, delighted you enjoyed it. Uh, very interesting. It's happening all the time in Late Town, Bettystown, Mornington. Bus Aaron sending coaches out. Coach which is only suitable for long journeys, says Tommy and me. We were talking to Conor McCauley uh, a short while ago about his problems getting back to Morningtown on a bus errand coach, and we're just waiting for a response from the company. Now we move on on late launch, and Development Perspectives are a local NGO. I love their vision to live in an equitable 
an equitable, just and sustainable world. Uh, their mission to tackle poverty, inequality and climate change through education and active global citizenship. And they do wonderful, wonderful work. And we're going to talk about a project that's uh, been going on uh, through summer, autumn 2021. It's called Amplifying Voices. And joining me in a moment, I'll have a chat, is Hishim Migrant from Syria. But first, Maria Acuna Gonzalez from DP. Welcome to the show, Maria. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Not at all. Yes, Tell sir. our listeners about the project, the aim of this project. Yeah, so Amplifying Voices um, is a really brought about storytelling and podcasting. So we, so that's what we do. We do development education projects. We focus on, on learning um, for adult communities across Ireland. So um, we basically did projects for um, helping people to learn and, and to build their own podcast um, in a very cost-efficient way. Um, and then we actually did our own podcast as well. So eight uh, participants um, took part of that project. Um, and actually, each one of them featured their own story on one of the episodes. And um, yeah, it's all really... Uh, besides learning on how to do podcasts and uh, and and you know taking that skills with them, um, it was also fantastic to be able to to get their stories out yeah. in the communities and to people listen to to what they had to say and on who who they were. Yes, so it's two pronged really. It's teaching and educating migrants themselves, and you picked eight of them, as you said, uh, to do this and and to to bring out their stories. And on the other hand, to educate us as Irish people about them. Yes, absolutely. I think that's really good way of explaining it. Um, you know, education is not about that. It's really a dual process. It's not one way to another way only. So. Um, exactly. What we were trying to really build is the global mentality yes. uh, versus the, only the Irish mentality. Mm. So mm. Um, we're all really part of the community and um, yeah, just trying to maybe um, build capacity and learn a little bit more on, on how identities uh, play a role in, you know, in integrating in the society. And uh, I think the, the, each one of the participants that took part of the episodes really explained that very well. Uh, it's so important to get to know people uh, just to build that empathetic side. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and that will contribute to an integration. I'm just sitting um, here thinking, a pity a fellow in Russia called Putin wouldn't understand this, that yes. we are all global citizens, citizens of the world, and other people in other yes. parts of the world would well take this on board. And you know, at times I have to say, uh, nationalism is a curse. It really is. And we see uh, the fallout yes. from it uh, through history and at the current time. So yes. it, they all had their own stories. It, it's difficult. Before I talk to Hisham, and I'm going to talk uh, in a moment, Obviously, the, uh, it had to come through. It must be very tough to leave your homeland, come to a strange nation with a different language, outlook, etc., and try and integrate. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, that's why it's so important to having the the people that actually experience that um, sharing their stories on on a first hand, and um, it's all it's only. It's really those type of, uh, I suppose, emotions or 
um, yeah, or, or, or feelings that um, can can only be explained up to a point. But um, but it's so important to really make the effort of not only explaining it, but also as I suppose as a community trying to be open um, and listen to what those stories are and mm. what's behind. Because we all have a story to tell, and I suppose. Um, the, the the particular episodes are, that are part of this podcast feature stories uh, of people that have recently arrived in Ireland. But I, I am sure each one of the the families listening to this radio today, or um, everyone in Ireland, can relate to a migration story in yes. their family tree mm. at some point. So mm. I think we're all built uh, on uh, on the same. Uh, stories or yes. similar stories that we can all relate to and I think yeah. it's so important developing that capacity of empathy Yeah, point well made Maria because we were uh, the migrants uh, millions of us yeah. migrated from this country to other parts of the world and set up huge communities and have done very well abroad Let me bring Hishim into the conversation Hello Hishim Hi, hello, good afternoon, how are you? I'm really good, thank you for joining me on the show. You're from Syria and my God, the images, what we're seeing in Ukraine at the moment, your country yeah. and people have been through this for years, mass destruction, murder, you name it. Um, when did you leave Syria? Uh, I leave uh, 2011 when the war started. And where, where, where are you from in Syria, what part? I am from the capital, Damascus. All right, yeah, beautiful, beautiful city, of course. So when the war broke out, you you left. How did you come to make your way to Ireland? Was Ireland your chosen destination? How did you get here? Uh, actually, it's like a long story. I came uh, from diff- different destinations, and uh, uh, I went to Lebanon, Turkey, Greek, Germany, France, France. After that, uh, Ireland. And when did you get here? 2011. How many years did it take you? How long are you in Ireland? I ha- yeah, I have been here for six years. Good. Six years you're with us now. And um, when you came here, did you know anybody or how did you make your way? Uh, actually, I have just uh, a new a person uh, from social media. Uh, from Syria, who gave, who gave me, presented me some information. Uh, in the beginning was really difficult. It's hard because uh, language, many barriers, uh, the culture, the weather. The, so everything is uh, completely new for me. But I love it. I love this country. I, I was amazed by guidance and people here really really helped me a lot uh, they are very friendly amazing people they like uh, they dealt me like family so i was uh, happy to be here and i i was what can i say keen on uh, to engage quickly to learn english quickly i did here uh, level four five six and i got a master degree social media communications finally so i uh, it, it everything in the beginning was really really difficult but if you uh, 
if you need something, you can get it easily. Oh, God, that's really encouraging to hear, Hisham, I have to say. So you had very little English, you had to learn the language, you got into the education system, you got your qualification, and in general terms, you felt very welcome. Thank you, thank you. And uh, at the same time, I I felt it's important as people here helped me a lot. I enjoyed and uh, anticipated in different uh, organizations to help uh, asylum seekers, migrant uh, yes. refugees in different way to help him in translation, interpretation, uh, to guide him, to offer them uh, information. And still, many people called me, uh, called me always uh, to help to help them. Yes, uh, especially in the information. So you are now putting your experiences and your knowledge in that to good use for others who are trying to find their way here. Do you work with development perspectives, or who do you work with? Uh, I, I work for, for example, I am a member of uh, Irish Syrian Solidarity Movement. I am okay. a member of City of Sanctuary. Uh, I work with them. Uh, uh, first uh, course, which is was in uh, in Trinity uh, for six weeks. Mm. I I've been there as a student. The second year, I worked with them as a volunteer and as mentor. Yeah. And I work as well uh, with the Irish Refugee uh, Council as volunteer. Yes. I teach Arabic there. Mm. And I, there I teach in Trinity as well. Uh, I give, uh, I teach Arabic in, uh, for people who are interested in, in this language. Good on you. Uh, yeah. And I started working last month. But uh, unfortunately, I, I work for the company, works in PCR, presents, uh, present, uh, offers PCR, but unfortunately, <laughs> and in the good things, advantage as well, because the corona has finished, so... Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't work uh, in this moment. Okay, so you're in the uh, you're in the jobs market. You're available for employment, and there are lots of opportunities there. I'm sure it won't be long before you are uh, filling a position. What was the greatest challenge? Just tell me, coming here, what what was the most difficult aspect of uh, you know settling down in Ireland? I think the language is big, okay. big barrier. Yeah, okay. uh, I was. Inspired, I was. I would love to to communicate. I would love to get friends to to engage in voluntary uh, activities. I but really uh, language is still uh, the biggest uh, challenge for me. Mm. I don't know about the other. For me, it's like uh, I love people. I love to. I have many here. A lot of. Irish friends. I invite them to my uh, to my home. Uh, I was uh, invited many times to their home. So I love people. I just I think, for in my opinion, oh, the the language was okay. a big barrier now okay. because I can communicate easily. So I I love now <laughs> English language. I I love to go everywhere to speak to communicate. Yes. to help to work. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing. You have done a fine job so far and your English is excellent and it's only going to get better. I'm just going to go back to Maria for a moment. I wish you well and I hope you find a job soon and all continues to go well for you, Hisham. Maria, he's a fine example of somebody who's worked hard from they've come here. Yes, absolutely. And um, I I think it's just very inspiring to listen to Hisham. We were really grateful and honored um to you know have you able to, to work with him in the in the course um and also to listen to his story as well um, yes yeah, and I, I, I want to say his story is in more detail as he says on the podcast where can people access these podcasts yeah absolutely so we have podcasts in three different platforms so um one of them is YouTube so we have our channel in YouTube it's called DP TV documentaries yeah. um, and you can find all the episodes in there um, and we're also in SoundCloud and Spotify so if you just type development perspectives you'll be able to find that um, but also I would encourage people if they want to get involved in our work to visit that website uh, because we, we do uh, post everything in our website we have a newsletter and we're also on social media yeah and Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So Lovely. You're all over to, the place. to stay connected. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, true. Uh, it's connection is the key. Developmentperspectives.ie and if you want to tune into those brilliant documentaries, wonderful stories, eight of them, all different, DPTV documentaries on YouTube or DP on SoundCloud or Spotify. Thank you both for joining me today. Congratulations on the project and wish you all well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Not at all. See you, Maria. Bye. Bye, Hisham. Thank you indeed for joining me on Late Lunch this afternoon. So there you are. A positive story from a migrant. Yes, I saw the food critic Tom Dooley tweeting about this. It was early yesterday morning, actually, I spotted it. We must get Tom on again. He's a great fellow. Um, The the cost of what? How many scones was it? Three scones. Yeah. And three tea-stroke coffee. Yeah. How much? Uh, 45 euro. Mm. Three scones and three cups of tea or a coffee, if you're having a coffee rather than a tea, 45 euros. So tenner a scone. Now, th- now to be f- fair, the restaurant in Tipperary have come back and said um, that the tenner was actually not one scone, but it was three small scones, which was the size of a one scone. So it was still tenner. <laughs> Sorry. One, they're only, they're only, you know, they're only trying to deflect from it here. It was one scone, three little ones, or combined it was one nice scone, a tenner. Tenner. A tenner for a scone. Scone or scone? Scone. 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 Scone now. No, it's scone now, it's right, all the money's scone. Scone, yeah, I think we call it, some people call it a scone. Yeah. You know, but scone, yeah, that's, it's robbery, isn't it? Tom couldn't believe it. He says, in the name of God. And I know they said there was local jam and local cream and local well, milk I'm sure and local if butter. You bought all the local stuff and the local flour. Yeah. You know, tenor. It's, it's still it's steep. It's it's yeah. rip off Republic. You know, you want people to come visit. But if you're gonna screw the rats from the walls, good God almighty. Don't complain then if you don't have numbers and people are, compl- are complaining afterwards about the price of things. Now she didn't, the lady that got it and posted the receipt that started this, mm. you know, she didn't ask for the price because it wasn't on the menu. But yeah. you're still not expecting that steep. Oh my, you know, imagine oh Imagine getting my. a receipt at the end. <laughs> much of this scone or a scone cost? Uh, I don't know. 150? 
Oh, a little bit more, I'd say, would it? Two euro. Two, two, two fifty. What should a scone or a scone cost, folks? Anyone help us there? Have you bought a scone or a scone recently? <laughs> we get them. Scone. We get them made scone. at home. We get them made at home. But I think people <laughs> buy them as well. And you know what I love? I love scones or scones with, that you break, <laughs> and you know there's a texture to them, not the ones that are powder. You know when you cut a scone as powdery. That's that's not for me. Like a, a lovely soft scone or scone with the currants in it. Love them hot, especially with butter and jam. Anyway, 086. No, no butter and jam, I love. 086 658. The price of a scone or a scone. Let us know if you have any knowledge of it. On the scone front, Louise. Or the scone front, if scone. you... <laughs> Not the scone front, if you want. <laughs> scone. <laughs> it's a scone, is it? It is, it is a scone. Most people say scone, don't they? Scone. Depends where you're eating. If you're eating at certain places, it's a scone. It's a scone well, where certain I'd places. Where I'd be now, it's a scone. <laughs> <laughs> I love your honesty. And anyway, we've got lots of reaction from listeners today. Let me run through some of these. Uh, three gorgeous scones. Scones, I'll use scones. <laughs> 250, yes, we'll, 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 we'll do it. We'll do it on the scone level today. Uh, three gorgeous scones, 250 in Centra RD, says Declan. That's 83 cent each I work at, out at. You can get a four pack of scones in Little for two euros, says Jane. That's 50 cent each. Super value, says Helen. A pack of lovely scones. Currants or cherries. Delicious, three euro. That's 75 cent a piece. Jerry, four for 350 in Dunn's, 87. Another one from Dunn Stores. Susan says, I get five in Dunn's for 250. That leaves it 50 cents each. They're not the biggest, but they're lovely, she says. But here's the two I'm really interested in. Trim Castle Hotel, which is similar to going... It's in a restaurant now, I, I, I know those figures uh, bring it home to you what a, a scone mm. costs. And it doesn't cost a lot. I understand that. If you go into a hotel or restaurant setting, there's heat and light yeah, and labour and all that expensive. type of stuff. It is more expensive. Mm. Plus Trim, the jam and the butter. Oh, the, the jam and the butter and the cream, the whole lot. Mm. Trim Castle Hotel, two sixty for a scone. That's very good mm. value in Trim Castle. And Esquires and Navin, says a listener, tea... Heated scone, cream and jam in a Squires, five twenty-five. Mm, that's, that's a reasonable good. price. Yeah. That is very good there. What was the figure in Tipperary? Uh, for both, no, well, it was ten or four the the scone, scone. and five or for the tea or coffee. Fifteen for With a, a free scone refill. and tea or coffee. Feck off with your <laughs> refill. That's for nothing. Don't be telling me that. There you go. So. Uh, It's a long way to Tipperary. It certainly (laughs) is when the price of scones are that much, we have to say. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for letting us know uh, about the scones, scones in your area. Anyway, we move on today with my album of the week. No, I don't. I move on with my soundtrack from movies or musicals. It's a musical this week. It's Mamma Mia. And you may or may not know the story uh, that the ABBA songs revolve around, or the story revolves around the ABBA songs. It's set on a fictional Greek island where Sophie is preparing to marry her fiancé, Skye. She wants her father to walk her down the aisle, but she doesn't know who her dad is. Sophie goes through her mum's old diaries and discovers her mum was close to three men in or around the time she was conceived. Sam, Bill and Harry. Yes, that's their names. And she looks them up, finds out about them, who they are. And she believes that one of these guys has to be her father, who she wants to walk her down the aisle. And what does she do? Unknown to her mother, 
But in her mother's name, she invites all three to a wedding. And her mother is unsuspecting. And all of them accept. And the story unfolds from there around classic ABBA songs like this. But I say to you, if you ever get the chance, and you will, to go and see the musical Mamma Mia, go and see it. It's the best night you'll ever spend in theatre, I promise you. Absolutely wonderful. And I'll have more music and words about Mamma Mia tomorrow on the show round about this time. I love it, Anne. Jerry and Louise, is that a drone overhead or a drone? <laughs> get your point. And Derek says, here today, scone tomorrow. Yes, that's true, true, Derek. That's a, that's a, that's a blast from the past. Mrs. Smith's Bakery in Kells. Massive, beautiful, homemade scones or sco- scones. I'm only joking. Four euro. There you are. Another recommendation for you. Value for money in the northeast. Final break of the afternoon. And afterwards, Boan Distillery are doing their bit for the environment. Last week was National Tree Week and it is great to hear of businesses getting involved in the sustainability project Planting Trees. 2,000 of them, to be precise. Sally-Ann Cooney from Boan Distillery, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Anyway, tell us, 1,000 oak and 1,000 native broadleaf trees. Why, where, when? Jerry, you know, sustainability is something that's really important to me. And, um, you know, when we started our project here with Boan Distillery, we felt that we really wanted to, you know, build the business with sustainability to the forefront. And tree planting is something that, that I'm quite passionate about. And it's a very good way for us to be able to, I suppose, reduce our carbon footprint into the future. And, you know, our barrel... Um, program, uh, our barrel sustainability program is a key part of that. So for every whiskey barrel that we lay down our beautiful new make whiskey in, um, you know, three of those barrels come out of each oak tree uh, that gets cut down to make those barrels. Now, thankfully, those barrels can be used for a very, very long time. Mm. But we've taken the decision to, I suppose, to to put back for that. So we lay down 6,000 barrels a year and we're going to plant 2,000 trees a year to be able to try and, I suppose, close that loop um, on, this, on the, kind of the new circular economy that we have when it comes to, I suppose, reducing carbon footprint and our sustainability initiatives. Ah, oh, good on you. This is really good news. Now, where are, you, where are they going in? Whereabouts exactly? So we've planted them over in Swainstown Farm, um, which is over in Comesson. It's at the foot of the hill of Tara. And the really nice thing there is that the family that own the farm, the Preston family, have really really strong links back to the original Preston family that had uh, the whiskey bonding business in Drogheda mm. from the, the mid-1880s on. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a nice link back to the history of whiskey distilling heritage there. And we're delighted to be working with, uh, with the Prestons and with the team there. And what's very interesting about the farm there is that um, Arthur, who I, I don't know which generation he is, the Prestons, but he's, he's, he's managing it regeneratively and he's moving 
from, I suppose, a more traditional commercial uh, farming model onto a regenerative and sustainable agriculture model, which is something that you know ties in really well with our initiative and what we're trying to do. And how lovely to be able to go with the team here. We took a number of the distillers here uh, on a beautiful day uh, last week in the sunshine and we planted our 2,000 trees. So we planted 1,000 oak trees, obviously as a nod back to uh, the oak barrels that we use for ageing our, our wonderful whiskey. And we also planted a 1,000 broadleaf trees. And that's really important for biodiversity and sustainability. So we want to be able to, you know, the, the years of, I suppose, monoculture, we're moving away from that, we're moving to biodiversity. So it's about the wildflowers, it's about the clover that will be under these saplings as they grow, and it's about bringing biodiversity back into our land. And this is one string to your bow because I know you are committed to uh, sustainable water usage, renewable energy, rainwater harvesting tied in with the water there and supporting local grain suppliers. Yeah, no, 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 that's it, Jerry. And as I said, you know, I suppose I feel these things have to come from the ground up. So when we were building the distillery, we, we built in a lot of energy efficiencies there from our heat recovery to our water usage. Uh, we're just about to push the button on a, on a solar project um, so that we can move to more sustainable energy sources into the future. And we're possibly looking at another one or two big projects that will help to move us uh, really, I suppose, into the forefront of sustainable whiskey distilling uh, in the country, but also in the world as well. You know, I think we have to be, uh, I suppose, innovative and we have to drive forward um, because this is not just about us, it's also about the future generations. Talking about the world, congratulations. Another big win for the Whistler Range oh. <laughs> at the uh, award ceremony in London recently. Thank you so much, Jerry. Listen, we were absolutely delighted. We won the world's best grain whiskey for our Whistler Marsala cask, the Mosaic. And, you know, for us, oh, look, you can't beat winning world's best um, on a world stage with some of the best whiskey distilleries in the world. So it, it's a global award. Um, we, 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 did, we did a number of winners at the, the Irish level, at national level, and then we went forward uh, to world level and we won the world's best grain. We also won uh, Ireland's best blended malt, and that's coming on the back of two wins last year, which was brilliant. Our best new make spirit was the world's best last year, and our Irish honey was the world's best. So, and then the other one that we have is the world's best Irish cream liqueur. So, we're really delighted to have four world's best products within our portfolio that we kind of make literally from grain to glass. We nurture these babies, and it's absolutely brilliant to see them being awarded at such such an amazing level. It's a fantastic acknowledgement, and yours is the long game, isn't it? We know what whiskey production as well you're putting down you know um a spirit at the moment that many years hence will, will, will appear it's a, a long project it is and there's 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 a bit of guesswork in that you know we're laying down whiskey now that probably won't see a bottle for five or ten years yeah. so um we're, we're 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 producing we're nearly 24 7 here at the moment so we're producing a lot of whiskey uh we think the world needs and wants a lot of irish whiskey into the future and uh Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We have the stock that we need into the future uh, to supply that demand.
Oh, you will indeed. And it's a fantastic success story and a beautiful building that's been adapted marvellously for, for what you do. But you see, it's in the genes. You know, when your dad is Pat Cooney and your mum is Mary, well, you know, it does. It just uh, trickles down like the whiskey does, lovely and smoothly into the next generation, may I say, and the genes as well. Look, congratulations to you. I'm delighted for you. Uh, best wishes to your dad, Pat and Mammy. Uh, Mary, please uh, pass it on from us here. And we're delighted for you and well done on the tree front. Thank you so much Jerry. much appreciated. Take care of yourself bye bye, that's the wonderful Sally and Cooney there from Boan Distillery one of the big success stories in business in this neck of the woods in recent times and setting seeds as we said there for the future that's our lot on late lunch this uh, Tuesday afternoon coming up on the show on Wednesday a unique type of beef farmer. John McDonnell is joining me. He's a great story. Pat Falvey, the legendary mountaineer extraordinaire, is with us on the show. John Tui will be here too. An online changing room. You know when you buy clothes online and you have to send them back? Well, that may be a thing of the past shortly. John Tui's going to tell us all about it tomorrow on the show and more besides all we need is you. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Stay with us. We'll be back with your midweek late lunch Wednesday 1.30. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalkin Cabin. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana. Guaranteed delivery, low-rate APR finance and 48-hour test drive. Exclusively at Blackstone Motors. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.